Hey, Lonnie, so what are the rules of Sunnydale that we've discovered so far? Well, um, never go into a locker room. That's definitely one. Good. Yeah. Never be a grown man and thus perceived as more powerful than a girl slayer and thus need to be knocked out on a regular basis. Sure. Poor Giles, right? I know. <laughs> oh, never be smart because a demon might want to steal your brain. Oh, well, we're screwed. Damn right we are. Welcome to Still Pretty, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. I'm talent show-ready film scholar Noelle LaCroix. And I'm demon hunting story expert Lonnie Diane Rich of Chipperish Media. And we're here today to talk about The Puppet Show, the ninth episode of season one. And do we have to? Can we just talk more about Angel? No, we gotta do The Puppet Show, baby. I'm sorry. Anyway... The Puppet Show was written by Rob Deshotel and Dean Batali and directed by Ellen S. Pressman. A warning before we begin, every episode of Still Pretty talks about each episode within the greater context of all of Buffy and as such is fully spoiled. All right, let's go on patrol. In the Puppet Show, we open with Buffy, Willow, and Xander mocking Giles for getting stuck with directing the school talent show, only for the new principal, Mr. Snyder, to insist that they participate. My predecessor, Mr. Flutie, may have gone in for all that touchy-feely relating nonsense, but he was eaten. You're in my world now. A kid named Morgan does a highly competent ventriloquist act with a sexually harassing piece of garbage dummy called Sid, but because Morgan's lips don't move, it's supposed to be charming. You know what they say. Once you go wood, nothing's as good. Super charming. Luckily, Buffy's having none of it. And when kids around the school are found murdered with body parts missing, she narrows in on Morgan as a prime suspect. When Morgan and Sid see her breaking into Morgan's locker, it appears Buffy was right. And now she's next. You saw what she did, how strong she is. I know, but she's the last. Just this one more and I'll be free. Sid attacks Buffy in the night and everyone thinks she's nuts for saying he's alive. But when Morgan turns up dead with his brains gone and Sid gets independently ambulatory, the suspect list tightens to Sid. Demon's got himself a brain. Sid attacks Buffy with a knife, but once they get a chance to talk, she discovers that he is a demon hunter cursed to live in the body of a puppet. And the only thing worse than that is being cursed to live in the body of a Muppet. So now he's a sympathetic comrade in the fight to stop the kid-killing demon. Once he does, he will break the curse, but since his original body is gone, will die as a result. So that makes him kind of heroic and mildly sympathetic, but still incredibly gross. Look at you. You're strong, athletic... Limber, nubile. Ugh. Now that the demon has a brain, it can live another seven years as a young human. But wait, Morgan has brain cancer, so it still needs a brain. And Snyder's hanging around backstage looking all shifty. But no, it turns out it's Mark, a student whose talent is a magical guillotine. Because that's a thing. He asks Giles to help him test his guillotine right before the show. So that's not good. 
how, how exactly does it work? A good magician never tells his secrets. Buffy figures it out, and just as the guillotine is about to come down on Giles' head, Xander grabs the rope and saves the day. Buffy and Sid fight the demon, and in a grand example of justice, decapitate it in its own guillotine. Sid cuts out the heart, breaking his curse, and finally dying. And then the curtains open on the decapitated and dehearted human, Buffy holding the dummy, and Willow holding an axe. I don't get it. What is it? Avant-garde? All right, Noel. Yes. I know how much you love the puppet show. I know so, because you've said it so every much. time. You just kept messaging me being like, oh my God, I'm so glad we're watching this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't think it's that. I mean, narratively, it's it's pretty solid. Um, there are you definitely so? gross elements, but there's stuff that I like in this episode. Yeah, well, narratively, we actually have we have a solid. Co- I mean, we have crappy misleads all throughout. We're definitely going to hit on that because I hate that. I hate that. Yeah. Stuff. But I mean, structurally, it's structured well. It kind of moves. This is one of those circumstances where something has the narrative elements right. Um, but a lot of the other elements are really, you know, not great. So, gotcha. you know, I want to acknowledge that it it has a solid antagonist. It escalates fairly well. We move through. We, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like there is stuff here that's actually competently done. But uh, but aside from that, like, yeah, it's 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 a it's a pretty bad episode. It's always it's always better than I remember it though. I always remember it as being just terrible. And then I think eh, there's a couple of things that are working. Yeah, I don't know. I think I just got lost in all of the twists. It's all, you know, is it a human or a demon? Oh, it's both. It's the dummy. It's not the dummy. (laughs) The dummy's after Buffy. No, he's not. Wait, yes, he is. Morgan knows what's up. Or does he? Morgan is crazy. Or is he? Um, Willow's research says animate toys sometimes want human body parts. It's the dummy again. Wait, no. The demon has a brain. Oh, no. Morgan has brain cancer. Just kidding. Isn't Snyder creepy? He's probably the demon, right? I mean, like, I'm like, oh, my God. What is, like, it's called the puppet show, and I feel like I'm being yanked around because mm-hmm. I do not know what this story is. Tra- it's like, look over here, look over at what. I mean, yeah. tell me about this sort of twisty, turny plot. I want to call it nonsense, thing. but it's it yeah, is it's a nonsense. Thing. Yeah. It is nonsense. Okay, these are I would not I would not classify these as plot twists. I would classify these as Mr. X. And the problem with Mr. X and why I hate them, misleads or Mr. X, I call them both. I haven't really nailed down my terminology yet. Um, but basically what it is is we make you think one thing, and then that turns out not to be the thing, right? And everybody, like writers, I gotta tell you, this is one of the things I fight with writers on this so much because ever since The Sixth Sense, and I blame M. Night Shyamalan, yeah, I'm looking at you, dude. Um, it, he did The Sixth Sense, it was this big surprise, everybody was like, oh my God. But the reason why that worked, A, is that there was one. You get one, all right? B, if you go back and watch that whole movie again, knowing what you know, it's a different experience, but it's still consistent. It makes sense. Like everything that made you presume one thing actually does indicate the twist. So, okay, that one's legit. But ever since that, people have been like, I got to put a twist in. I got to put a surprise in. So they're always like, so what they do instead of doing a competent twist, they do a misdirect where they're like, oh, I'm going to make 
make you think it's the dummy. Oh, I'm going to make you think that it's Morgan. Oh, I'm going to make you think that it's like constantly. And then you're like, no, that's not it. But the thing is, why that's not competent is that if you go back and watch it through, knowing who the who the bad guy really is, like knowing how it ends, it still doesn't make any sense. Like none of it really holds together that well. Um I can see why the dummy thought that it was Buffy, right? You know, so the moment when the dummy's like, well, she's the one, you know, we've got to get her, all that kind of stuff. Like, I can see that actually works okay. But Mm -hmm. to layer upon layer upon layer all these things. And then the person who it is at the end, I can't even tell you how many times I've seen this episode because I've talked about it a number of times and I've watched the entire show a number of times. I have seen this episode easily five or six times, right? I never remember who it is at the end. I'm like, wait, which one is it? Like, I don't remember. Like, I never, because we don't see that. We see that kid once, you know, he's in the background of a shot. He's putting a girl in the box and then she's still there and he's a crappy magician and okay, fine. Um, But we don't get anything that makes him a suspect or that would make it an interesting, like, you know, twist when we finally find out who it actually is. So all of these things piled on top of each other being like really clumsily done. The whole, you know, Snyder and the shadows looking shifty, like, okay, you know, whatever, <laughs> like all of this stuff. And then, and then they get Morgan's brain. So he's done. He's got all of his stuff, but oh, wait, right. Morgan has brain cancer. And yeah. all of this, you know, is Ugh. just, it's, it's nuts. And it's just, it's not well done. Um, so yeah, so all of those stuff, those are misdirects. One misdirect is bad. 12 is just abusive. So like I, you know, I wash my hands of anything for that. Like I am not saying that's good at all because it's not. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I'm just, I'm, I'm really annoyed that people feel like writers feel so much like they have to twist everything. You do not have to twist everything. Tell your story well, tell your story competently. If you want a twist, you have to go back and make sure that the twist works. The reason a twist works is that you can ride um, the reader's presumptions. You can let them presume something right? And mm-hmm. as long as everything you say is consistent with both that presumption and the reality, you're good, you're solid. But when you lie to your audience, when you de- deliberately misdirect them, when you deliberately mislead them, that means that you lose the audience's trust. And if you lose the trust, forget it, you're not going to be able yeah. to tell a story, you know, you can't you can't pay for that with the trust of your audience. So mm-hmm. um, it's, it's definitely, I think, probably the most weakening element of this um, of this show, if you, well, th- that and the dummy, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, and I get, I feel like I sort of get what they were trying to do with the dummy. You know, I feel like the murderous dummy, the the murderous toy mm-hmm. yeah. is something that we see in horror. Um, it's certainly a scary idea. And then, of course, the mm-hmm. twist is that, no, the dummy isn't actually the murderer. Right. The dummy is helping mm-hmm. to stop the murders. And that's something that... That's something that Buffy likes to do as a show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This thing mm-hmm. that you think is one thing is actually another thing. Um, right. But like really. Which is okay as long as it's done well and you don't do 12 of them in a single yeah. episode. You know. Yeah. yeah. To the point that I still, I watched it three times and I still really don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I know what happens, but we get the way that we get there is so roundabout um Mm -hmm. and the dummy i mean did you have to guys like really did you have to do the gross ventriloquist dummy i mean 
I well, get it. it's one thing he's, that he's a dummy, yeah. right? It's one thing that he's a demon inside the dummy and he's trying to, you know, like to save, you know, people or whatever. And also to finally, finally die. Like once he, you right. know, nails down, once he gets this guy. Um, so there's that. And like, I appreciate all of that. Um, but the fact that he is so just disgusting, like yeah. he is, I mean, I know he's in a dummy body, mm-hmm. right? I know that apparently there isn't, I, I don't know what he can do as far as sexual assault, but everything he says, <laughs> it's like it's like verbal sexual assault. Everything he says. And that gross, disgusting, well, you're so athletic and limber and Ugh. nubile. And then he makes that face that looks like he just came in his little dummy pants. And I'm like, no, I don't I don't want to think about that. I don't want that look. I don't want that. That whole thing is not funny. It's disgusting. And then we have to view him as heroic because he lays down his life and he does all this. And it's just, it's it's really highly conflicting. And the fact that I don't tend to like... I don't like puppets. I don't like Muppets. <laughs> I know every time I say I don't like Muppets, I swear to God, everybody loses their shit on Twitter. They're like, you don't like Muppets. <laughs> no, I fucking hate Muppets. Okay. Um, so when they're in a show, and I will say there is an episode of Angel in which there are Muppets, and I love it with my whole heart. So that's actually, you know, well, I'm going to talk about that on Still Dead one of these days, and it's going to be amazing. But um, but aside from that, no, I hate puppets. And so like, uh, for me specifically, this is made to not delight me. <laughs> this is the opposite <laughs> of made specifically to delight me. This is made specifically to annoy me. And that's just me. Like other people may love the dummy. Other people may love dummies and ventriloquists and muppets. And I say that's great. Love them enough to make up for the fact that I hate them so much. That's awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, so for me, like that's part Part of it is that um, I don't particularly like puppets and Muppets and whatever anyway. Um, Mm. But then to have this one be so just disgustingly gross. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's really gross. And I feel like I know he's a guy from the 30s and the jokes are old. I mean, it's like vaudeville type jokes but and he says you know I was a guy and I'm like oh boys will Uh, be boys here we go again right but the show treats it like it's gross that's the one show does a little bit yeah like Buffy calls him out first thing Buffy's like yeah you're disgusting knock it off right Mm -hmm. the first thing you know um so Buffy calls it out she's grossed out by the way that he talks to her and all that kind of stuff and so at least we have that like at least we have that we're supposed to see it as gross but it's not that far off from the stuff we get from Xander on a regular basis is supposed to be cute. Yeah. You know, and I think that he is supposed to be cute. I think that while the show acknowledges, yeah, he's gross, but look how charming he is. Like, no, like if he was human, he's, he's a lech, Yeah, you know, like that's just what he is. So, um, so all of that, I find a little off putting. I did find it kind of interesting though, that Sid's grossness. Uh, I don't know. But it seemed like Sid was so gross that he sucked all the gross out of the room and Xander actually got to be okay. Yeah. Like Xander in this episode was pretty good. Yeah. Xander, no, Xander in this episode is pretty adorable. He's got a couple of moments where um, Sid makes some gross crack and he kind of waggles his eyebrows in agreement. But (laughs) in general, I mean, his enthusiasm about a sting operation and getting to wear a wire... I, mean, I know it's adorable. It's so cute. It's so cute. Yeah. And his he when um when Snyder tells them they have to do the talent show and he's just so 
upset and he has nothing to say and he just goes no like a toddler just really forcefully like i it's so I love cute. it i love it it's it is so cute yeah it is charming and i love him with cordelia it's yes. so incredibly cute like you know we're gonna see xander and cordelia get together later these are the beginnings of that relationship when he's walking when she says um it's just such a tragedy for me emma was like my best friend and he goes Emily you know and then we just cut right out of it and there's something about that that's so sweet and then you know we get them again together and then there's this moment where um Cordelia is complaining about where she is in the lineup to Giles and Giles says oh your hair Mm -hmm. she's like what is there something wrong with my hair and she runs off and he's like wow it worked Xander told him you know yeah so so I like that Xander understands Cordelia, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> Giles is so actually that scene with Giles and Cordelia is really Xander and Cordelia, you yes. know, like through Giles as a mediator. Yes. And it was uh, it was really cute. You know, I thought it was I thought it was kind of adorable. So I actually really enjoyed Xander in this episode. I didn't see much of Shadow Xander. So I'm feeling really good about that. Um, but of course, you know, Sid was sucking all the sexual assault air out of the room. Yeah. So, you know, what was he going to do aside from be decent? Yep. <laughs> um, oh, and Xander's yeah. line, I hate this school. Yeah. I just, I love that so much. Um, mm-hmm. And it brings me into the realization that there's some pretty grisly death in this episode. And I feel like this is the first, maybe this is the first moment of really establishing for the audience how we're going to treat all of the death that happens, um, especially at the right. high school. I mean, it's it's really kind of scary if you think about it. I mean, dancer Emily is dehearted, and Morgan mm-hmm. is debrained, and Giles is almost debrained, and the demon mm-hmm. is decapitated. Um, <laughs> and the response is just kind of what I mean. It, there's a strip of caution tape, and the show must go on. Right. I mean, seriously, we see what appears to be police activity around the locker room, um, which Giles has managed to get into despite it being a crime scene. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, everybody uh, on staff, I imagine, at the school has been cleared by the police department to handle crime scenes because let's face it. Right. (laughs) Clearly. You know, and we're putting yeah. this knife in what is supposed to be an evidence bag, but I think it's just a gallon-sized Ziploc freezer bag. I think in Sunnydale, you run out of the evidence bags yeah. after a while, right? Yeah. Um, and I know high school is hell or whatever, you know, big metaphor we've got going on, but come on. I mean, that's... We're, we're talking about humans murdering humans, yeah. And when Joyce asks Buffy how the talent show is going, there's zero mention of the fact that a student was murdered, apparently by yeah. a human in the girls locker room. I mean, yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not good. And also, like, if you're Joyce, right, yeah. you read a paper, you watch the news, right? You hope so. You know, like there's a letter that goes home. You know, there's a letter that goes home if a kid accidentally ate a peanut. I get a letter, you know, from the school, right? <laughs> yep. Um, if a kid dies on school grounds, there's a letter that goes home, right? And I imagine mm-hmm. they do it once a week in a newsletter with it all compiled because we have them every week, right? right. But I think if somebody dies, you know, in the talent show that you just kind of pull your kid out of the talent show. You just kind of like, you know what? Maybe you don't need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, um, so yeah, it is, it's a little bit weird. Yeah. And the locker, the locker room thing is beginning to get a little bit a little bit done right yep 
Yep, we had it last week in iRobot. We had it in Witch. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always something creepy. And the lighting in the locker room is just terrible. Yep. No, it really it's is. It is the place most likely to get murdered. Yeah. One of the top 10 places most likely to get murdered it's are in the locker room. so yeah. creepy. Why? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you never yeah. never go in the locker room alone. That's yeah. not a good idea. Um, no, absolutely not at Sunnydale, definitely. Yeah, I mean, and it, it makes sense, right? It's a vulnerable space. It's nice and mm-hmm. echoey, so you can do all kinds of lovely horror things um, yes. in the locker mm-hmm. room. But I'm starting to feel like, you know, God, another crime scene? We just cleaned up from the last one. We just cleaned up the last one. We should just have a room that is the school crime scene. And just like, please keep your murders to that room. Exactly. Because yeah. that way we've got to prepare and mm-hmm. all that. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, just, it's pretty nuts. Yeah. And then, you know, Morgan is murdered. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and Buffy finds him. But we're just going to keep the show's just going to happen. Right. And it is a very weird kind of disconnect with reality. But again, because it's it's Sunnydale, you know, because this is just the way it is. Like it's it's incongruent. If you think about it. Yes. But if you don't think about it, you're just like, yeah, okay. Yeah. (laughs) The way the way I like to think about that sort of thing is the the director or the writer, whomever saying, do you want to hear the story or not? Right. You have to (laughs) when you have to suspend your disbelief so hard. It really is just, you know, like, come on now. Do you want to hear the story or not? So just shut up, shut up and stop nitpicking. Pretty exactly. much. Yeah. So, I mean, Xander saying I hate this school is kind of really the only recognition I feel like we're going to get from now on that this is. Yeah, that this isn't normal and this isn't OK. Yeah, this isn't normal. This isn't OK. Um, right. But it's interesting in that that is just great narrative shorthand, great genre shorthand. Maybe we're mm-hmm. we're playing with genre a little bit here for this is how the show is going to be from now on. Don't, you know, Mm -hmm. just expect Mm -hmm. this kind of thing. And what we're going to be looking at is not, you know, the, the ins and outs of what happens when someone is murdered on a high school campus, but what happens, Mm -hmm. you know, when your school is on a hellmouth. I mean, that's because that's really the point, right? The point, the whole reason Mm -hmm. everything is here happening at this high school is a hellmouth, a hellmouth, Mm -hmm. the hellmouth. (laughs) <laughs> the well, um, a I hellmouth. think I think that at the beginning they refer to it as the Hellmouth. I think, but over time we will discover, of course, that there are other Hellmouths across the world. It's just that this happens to be one of them. So, um, so yeah, it's it's a Hellmouth. Not a every Hellmouth gets a Slayer. You got to be, you know, really lucky to get a Slayer, nice. like you know, on location. Yeah, so that's really nice. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a it's an upscale Southern California Hellmouth. So that's very true. You know, that's very true. <laughs> so because it's a Hellmouth, our first thought is demon, right? That mm-hmm, someone is killed right. on campus must be a demon. Um, mm-hmm. But we figure out pretty quickly, or, or Giles figures out pretty quickly, that no, this looks more like a human. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. and it brings us into this whole demon versus human space. Yeah, yet again. Yeah. No, it's. It's really interesting because Giles has this line, right? He says, a demon is a creature of evil, pure and very simple. A person driven to kill is more complex, right? Mm-hmm. So 
every every episode of any you know Buffy verse, be it Angel, be it Buffy, um, I'm always collecting all of these things that kind of tell us about the world building because the world building is so complex. You know, they say a lot of things about good and evil and ensouled versus no soul, mm-hmm. but it's all like weird and not necessarily consistent and really murky. Um, the role of the soul, you know, if you look at all the textual evidence throughout the run of both shows, right, the role of the soul is never explained completely um and it's 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 like very inconsistent in the way that it's presented um what we do kind of tend to start out with is that the soul is um goodness incarnate right that if you have a soul you're good and if you don't you're bad so human good demon bad right yeah um but what we end up having is that the soul is not goodness incarnate. The soul is not necessarily what makes you good. And the lack of a soul does not lead to evil, you know? Um, so unless, you know, you want to say that the good demons have souls, but we're kind of solid on the fact that the soul is a human thing. Mm-hmm. Like humans have souls. Nobody else has souls, right? So all humans have souls. Some humans do evil despite the soul. So are we supposed to think that those are like factory defect souls, um, (laughs) that that just didn't work out? So no demons have souls, like none of them have any souls, but some of them are... For, you know, not evil, but and I, I would say some of them across the run of, are even good. You yeah. know, we have good demons. We're going to see that happen over an angel with Lorne. He's mm-hmm. a very good demon, right? And seems incredibly ensouled, you know? Um, so I don't know if there's a demon version of the soul uh, that is evil by nature, and some of those also have a factory defect. Um, I don't understand how all of it works. I really don't. And I don't think that we have clarity on it. But the soul itself does not seem to be naturally necessarily in all cases something that will make you good that even with the soul you still have a choice between good and evil right Right. and that some people choose good and some people don't so if that's the case um without a soul is it that you don't have a choice at all between good and evil um and you're just evil like is evil just the absence of good Mm-hmm. You know, um, or is that a, just a neutral thing? Like you're not good, you're not bad, you're just kind of there, right? Yeah. You know, you don't do good things, but you don't do bad things, and so there you go. You're neutral, you know. Right. Um. So I don't know. Like there's there's a lot of textual evidence that you can pull out for any one of these arguments. You know, <laughs> like there's textual evidence for all of it. It's completely inconsistent and contradictory, but it does seem to evolve over time and get more interesting and more complex. But this idea from Giles, a demon is a creature of evil, pure and very simple Mm -hmm. is an absolute lie yeah that is not true we textually undo that um very quickly and i guess like this is the beginning of giles's career outside of the academic right mm-hmm. um he's a watcher for an actual slayer and so what you learn at the watchers academy it would appear is not actually correct and as he goes through this experience he's learning more so the fact that giles says it doesn't necessarily mean that it's true it means that that's what he believes at that time to be true based on the information that he's been given but he hasn't been given the whole picture right so um so i think like in the beginning you know, what we are told textually about what a vampire is, what a demon is, what a soul is, all of that stuff is just, 
you know, Giles is usually the one with all the information. It's what he knows at that time based on what the Watchers Academy taught him. Mm -hmm. But the Watchers Academy does not seem like a reliable narrator to me. Um, They are not an institution of goodness, as we're going to find out as we move through. Um, But uh, but I find it a really it's always an interesting topic for me whenever we get a little more information about how this how this works. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I kind of like it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it and it raises an interesting question in that we're mm-hmm. looking at the possibility of human evil, you know, a, like a regular yeah. evil person um mm-hmm. in this episode and then that turns into um being suspicious of Morgan because he's yeah. weird. Um mm-hmm. and it's his it's his weirdness that makes him suspicious. And there's something seriously problematic um in that idea Mm -hmm. and just to be clear i mean buffy is not alone in the notion that illness um whether it's physical illness or mental illness equals evil um Mm -hmm. there have been stigmatizing interpretations of illness for as long as there have been humans Um, oh yeah i mean absolutely like the idea of the exorcism yeah right is get the demons out that the demons are what are causing either your physical or mental you know uh symptoms yeah so we have been like literally demonizing mental illness you know um and physical illness since you know the beginning of time Mm -hmm. it was how we explained it Mm -hmm. right so this is a bit of terroir recognition not a criticism Mm -hmm. of buffy in particular um yes. mm-hmm. but it is played like it's obvious morgan is different and therefore he's creepy yeah um mm-hmm. but uh when we have you know legit creepy behavior like sneaking around in the shadows and showing up at random unusual times you know and stalking you yeah. through alleyways you know right? yeah <laughs> from a an ostensibly sane and sold vampire you know, yeah. just saying. It's to- then it's sexy. No, in that case, it's sexy. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when we're alone with Morgan, there are a few times mm-hmm. in the episode when we're alone with Morgan, he is clearly upset, which yeah. raises the question for me, what is Morgan's relationship with Sid? Right. You know, because here we have like, I, I wonder about that because Sid is a demon hunter that got whose, you know, existence got thrown into a puppet, right? Yes. So he's been riding around a suitcase for all of these years, <laughs> uh, presumably passed from ventriloquist to ventriloquist, right? Yep. Um, and then he ends up with Morgan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at Sunnydale High, where the demon that he's hunting just happens to be. So, like, how did that happen? How did he, like, how did he get enough? Did he just grab his suitcase and show up at Morgan's door you know, yeah. and Morgan was like, oh, I've always wanted a ventriloquist. I mean, like, how did that? I, I, my presumption is he must have done that. Like, he has obviously, you know, independent ability to move and to, you know, to go around and all that kind of stuff. So he must have, you know, like picked a kid right. and just shown up. Right. Did he cause Morgan's brain cancer? By, you know, bringing all this demonic energy. Oh, dear God. (laughs) I hadn't thought of that. Now I feel really sorry for Morgan. Um, I know. Poor Morgan. He has headaches, right? He gets picked on by all the other kids. He's being, you know, spoken to by a dummy. Like, I mean, Morgan did not get a fair shake. No, he really didn't. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and Sid propped up on Morgan's lap during history class seems just kind of 
it's kind of protective in a weird way. Um, Of of course, until Sid's head spins around and looks at Buffy. Um, Right. Mm -hmm. But when, when Morgan comes back to see Mrs. Jackson about getting Sid back from the cupboard, it's played kind of like he's an addict or like he's crazy or like something Mm -hmm. is like something is wrong with Morgan um, Mm -hmm. in a way that we never really we never really pay off we never really address other than it makes him seem creepy and that's I mean that's not good yeah no it is it's a little bit um, I don't know like Morgan's whole thing um, makes me just feel really bad for Morgan. Like he's just, he's got all of this stuff. He's got these headaches. He's got this, this, you know, dummy that is making him hunt demons. You know, yeah. I mean, all of it is a little weird. And I think that if we had switched some of this and actually seen it from Morgan's point of view, you know, um, and given Morgan maybe a moment of heroism or something, mm-hmm. but instead we just give him this really, grisly awful death yeah and he's afraid so much of the time like he's nervous around Sid he's nervous around Buffy he's nervous around his teacher he's just Mm -hmm. I just feel bad for him like it's not any fun to be him and then we're but we're supposed to look at him like he's a suspect um yeah when the actual creepy dude suspect really should be Principal Snyder with all of his, right. you know, scary know. showing up in places <laughs> when Buffy is alone. Um, and he just looks creepy. Oh, he's, he's so a, creepy. I, he looks oh my so God, creepy. I love him. I love Principal Snyder so much. He makes me so happy. Armin Shimmerman is just fantastic. He's such a strong, like, antagonistic figure, you know, with power even over Giles, which I really like, you know, because then Giles has that kind of mundane antagonism within the school space, you know. Um, So I like that a lot. It's it's really fun. I love him in the beginning, you know, where he's like, Mr. Flutie might have gone in for all that touchy-feely relating nonsense but he was eaten yes you know? <laughs> yep. i'm just like okay all right sunnydale has touched and felt for the last time <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah no he's he's really a lot of fun and i enjoyed that a lot um so you know we have all of this stuff happening. Like we have Buffy reacting to the dummy. I like that Buffy doesn't like the dummy where she's like, he gives me the wig. Yes. <laughs> you know, and she tells that whole story, which really is not a story. Um, it's really kind of cute. And I sort of, I, I, well, I mean, probably because I, I, you know, I connect with Buffy on the whole hate the puppet thing. Yes. Right? <laughs> so I think that that's good. Yeah. Just because it is a puppet, that's enough. Yes. It's scary. Right. Off we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love it when I love that she's actually bothered by and scared Mm -hmm. of Sid. Um, And when he when he jumps on her in the night like a cat and disappears out the window, like a sexual assault. I mean, it's Sid, right? Right. He jumps on her in her bedroom at night. Um, Okay, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She is genuinely terrified. Um, yeah. And I mean, this is a woman who can stake vampires without batting an eye. Right. But she's mm-hmm. terrified. And and then Joyce comes in and Buffy is so apologetic. And Joyce says she's glad to have been woken up because she was dreaming of bills. And I think, <laughs> yeah, 
two men at once is great, but it's confusing when they're both named Bill. So, <laughs> oh man, I am really going to take that as my head cannon. Yeah, of what mm-hmm. she was actually actually dreaming about. Oh yeah, I love Joyce in this episode. I do too. too. Um, Joyce is a great mom. You know, she's being sweet. She's being supportive. She's not mad at Buffy when Buffy wakes her up in the middle of the night. Yeah, uh, she's also failing to take her kid out of the talent show where two kids have been murdered. But granted, one of them was murdered right before the show, so right. she shouldn't have a lot of reaction time on that one. But um, yeah, it's uh. It's, you know, it's really fun because Joyce is a problem character um, throughout the run of Buffy until like, you know, a little bit later, like after mid season three, I think she starts to even out a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, But until then, she really is just kind of the cardboard stand in for, you know, the mom who doesn't get it, the mom who doesn't understand. And and some of the things that she says to Buffy are just downright terrible. And we're going to we're going to definitely address those as we go through. Um, But this is a really nice Joyce. This is, you know nice and supportive and caring and you know and kind and all of that kind of stuff and I really liked her in this yeah she's and I know I've said it before but Christine Sutherland is fantastic they give her very little Mm -hmm. to do and she does Mm -hmm. all kinds of things with it she does everything yeah so Mm -hmm. I I really enjoy watching her and I think it's unfortunate that Joyce is mostly at least at this point mostly just there to block Buffy and whatever Buffy's trying to do yeah for the first couple of seasons it's it's not great um but when we get good joyce you know and christine sutherland is always fantastic whatever they give her to do she does a great job with it mm-hmm. it's just what they give her to do isn't all that great sometimes yeah you know yep yeah it's true um but she comforts buffy and then mm-hmm. you know we get that review you know uh, you shouldn't sleep with the window open and buffy says mm-hmm. i didn't um <laughs> and we're you know so we're on that Okay, super creepy dummy path. And of course, and that shot when Buffy's in bed and the lights go out and then we see Sid's face in the window. Oh, my Mm -hmm. God. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's terrifying. So scary. So (laughs) I mean, I know it's coming and I'm like, "Mm -mm, no, that's. Yep. (laughs) So Sid, I mean, Sid is super creepy. Buffy's super creeped out by him. Um, But then at the end, there's this weird sort of tenderness between them when she's holding his body like a baby yeah and I don't really know what to do with that um I mean if yeah. I, and if I wanted to go way out very far on a probably shaky limb um I could probably say something about internalized misogyny and women being complacent in their own oppression by unfairly forgiving the creeps who objectify them Um, But then they realize that the objectifiers are themselves merely objects and it's a whole big patriarchal circle of life sort of thing. Um, Oh, my God. I love that. I don't know. I think that's fantastic. (laughs) Avant-garde, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's something. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, is that I think like what I saw with her was this extreme empathy, Mm -hmm. you know, like Sid was gross. But he gave his life um, to save and protect others. And I think at that point she has complicated feelings about it. You know, that she's like, well, he's disgusting. You know, um, but he what what he said was really gross, but his actions were all good. Right. And so we say like it's it's not what you say, it's what you do, which is true of when you say good things and you do horrible things. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make you okay because you speak well. Right. Right. You know, there are a lot of. 
a lot of people out there who claim to be allies, who claim to be feminists, and then they do terrible, terrible things, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, and it's what they do that matters is not what they say, you know, because right. um, it's easy to know what to say. So here we have the actual inverse of that, yeah. right? It's not what you you say, it's what you do. And what he does is good, while what he says is, you know, terrible, you know. Right. So like at this point, I think that we're we're looking Buffy is looking at him based on his actions not on his disgusting horrifying you know words right, <laughs> right? and that the so yeah. um yeah and the end game for him his reward is death and yeah. i think buffy mm-hmm. identifies with that and there's that little bit of professional sort of respect when he mm-hmm. has revealed that he's a demon hunter and he is asking her about what she is because he doesn't figure she's a demon hunter and she says i'm a Mm -hmm. vampire slayer and he's impressed he's genuinely impressed and then he goes on his little you know objectification train ride oh you know awful i knew a slayer back in the 30s racist yeah his racist sexist objectification of a slayer from you know 60 years prior whatever um yeah yeah, that's pretty awful. He almost had a good moment. There, yeah, it was you know? almost a good moment. It was, it was so close. It was almost a good moment. But he does. I mean, there is that recognition between them because their their roles in that way are similar. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And they're dangerous. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. you're a demon hunter and you get stuck in a ventriloquist dummy. Sometimes you're a vampire <laughs> slayer and, you know, your life expectancy goes way down. Right. So mm-hmm. I get the little bit of, you know the tenderness at the end as a as a recognition of that weird yeah. sort of camaraderie um mm-hmm. but it's still that <laughs> that ending still feels super weird to me and it is it <laughs> is and i love i love what we get from snyder oh i don't get it what, what is, is it, it? avant garde oh, like i love that, that whole so thing funny horrible so funny <laughs> and so the perfect i mean it it's just the perfect ending to the episode mm-hmm. because Buffy says it's over and then yes. the curtains open <laughs> and it's just wonderful it's this wonderful um it's the beginnings of the show's self-awareness about yeah. what it is and what it's doing yeah mm-hmm. um we have the moment the earlier moment from Giles uh where he acknowledges his role as captain exposition yes <laughs> <laughs> I know. I love that where he says, um, I must say, it's a welcome change to have someone else explain all these things. Yes. And we're only nine episodes in, Giles. You have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> like, you have barely scratched the surface of your role as the exposition fairy. Like, this oh. is just. <laughs> but he but, does yeah. it so well. I mean, we give Giles the exposition because. Anthony Stewart had damn yeah damn. Like it's, it's one thing to be a good actor in the intense emotional moments but to be able to pull off exposition like crates and crates worth of exposition and do it really well part of that is in the writing like a yes. good writer can make that but Anthony Stewart had needs to get some kind of award because that is so hard to do and he does it and makes it look easy he does it ridiculously well. And yeah. right from the beginning of this episode with his weary, 
mm-hmm. like his just his exhausted facial expression. Yeah, as he's watching the talent show <laughs> rehearsal, I just I'm like, oh, Giles, I feel for you. <laughs> I know, I love it. And then he's I... stuck doing the talent show, which is one of the things. I mean, Snyder makes him do it, you know, and it's mm-hmm. just terrible. And he has to like listen to all these like terrible talent acts and Cordelia singing. It's so incredibly sweet. And I just and when he's like, well, we have to do this because we don't want to, you know, raise any suspicion and all this kind of stuff. It's just it's really nice. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I like I like the beginnings of that relationship between Giles and Snyder. Yeah, no, it's really good. It's really good. Snyder is a lot of fun. Like, he's obviously terrible, you know? Um, Although, really, introducing him in this episode, like, he's he's horrible and he's mean, but it's wonderful. Like, I love how horrible and mean he is because he's exactly what he's supposed to be. But one thing he's not, and I will will give him this and I will love him for it, I, I, I will be willing to, like, stake my reputation on the fact that Snyder never says a um like a a a sid kind of thing like he never makes sexual comments he doesn't have that that kind of um that kind of predation in the way that he like he doesn't do that at all you know he doesn't objectify the women i'm pretty sure that's true yeah he doesn't he doesn't hear definitely but i'm pretty sure throughout the run he doesn't objectify any of the women which by the way is more than we can say for xander so yeah (laughs) yeah hey yeah Hey, how bad can so, it be? Right? We gotta, we gotta give him something, right? He yeah. at least he doesn't do that, which is something yes. that we see a lot in characters we're supposed to like. So I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, all right, so getting to the end of the discussion here, what's your girl power moment of the week? My girl power moment of the week is definitely Buffy telling off Morgan um, mm-hmm. when she thinks it's Morgan, right? Um, she says, uh, get a new shtick unless you want your prop ending up as a Dura flame log. Right. And she glares at him with this <laughs> you know, like certainty. Like, I will do yes. it. Like, I will totally light fire to that thing. Yeah. Yep. No, I love that she doesn't play along like it's charming. You know, I love that she slaps him down with it. And I mean, granted, I'm sorry that she does it to Morgan because it's yeah. not Morgan's fault. Right. Um, but in reality, the one she's slapping down is Sid, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. So I like that a lot, too. I thought that was good. Yeah. Um, especially when we have Willow telling us that dummies are cute. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no. Uh-uh. Yeah. It's not yeah. cute. Willow, nope. Willow puts up with a lot of stuff that, you know, probably she shouldn't put up with. But Yeah. 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 Poor yeah. Willow. all right so what's your favorite part of the puppet show i know it's going to be hard because you really hated it so much but (laughs) my favorite part is the reaction from everyone when sid disappears from the (laughs) library i know it's especially especially because xander has been so confident and so um Amused with himself for having stolen yes. the the <laughs> dummy, and he's he continues his joke about you know the about Sid not being animate, you know, much longer than anyone else is finding it funny. Right. He's clearly just making this joke for himself. He's kind of being a jerk, and yeah. then he's terrified. He's absolutely terrified when he looks over. Yes. And Sid is gone. And he leaps up on his chair and yelps. And I it know. is so it's funny. It's adorable. It's I so know. funny. And then when he says Sid's gone, mm-hmm. Giles looks down like there's a giant, 
you know, hamster or something on the loose. There's <laughs> like that their instinct is to find yes. high ground mm-hmm. with the dummy on the loose is so funny to me. Yeah. I just love it so yeah. much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was your no, favorite really part of the puppet show? I have to say, I think it's Buffy, Willow, and Xander doing Oedipus at the end. It's kind of adorable. <laughs> like, I love when good actors have to pretend to be bad actors. It's kind of adorable. Oh, it's, <laughs> so, it's love so good. And then Willow it's... runs away. Mm-hmm. And then they close the gap. <laughs> they close the gap. It I don't know so why cute. that's so hilarious, but it really is. That's it for today. To join in the discussion on Twitter, follow me at Lonnie Diane Rich and Noelle at Noelle Allowed and use the hashtag still pretty. You can also visit the Chipperish forums. Go to chipperish.com, click on forum and join in the fun. Or you can keep Chipperish Media going to the tune of $1 a month or more and gain access to the live chat in Discord where you can hang out with Lonnie and me and all the Chipperish patrons whose talents include slaying vampires on stage in a funny way. <laughs> Visit patreon.com slash chipperish to find out more. You can also show your support for Still Pretty by going to Apple Podcasts and giving us a review. That's one of the most effective ways to show support for your favorite podcasts. Or you can use your social media platform of choice to tell your friends. Word of mouth is a powerful thing. We will be back next time with Nightmares, the 10th episode of season one. Until then, you concentrate on reanimation theory. I'll poke about in organ harvesting. Sid attacks Buffy with a knife, but once they get a chance to talk, she discovers that he is a demon hunter cursed to live in the body of a puppet. And the only thing worse than that is being cursed to live in the body of a Muppet. So now he's simp... So now he's a simp... (laughs) I hate Muppets. (laughs) I can't even say the word. (laughs) I hate the fucking Muppets.